Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today we're continuing on our series on Christian foundations. And we're kind of introducing the Christian life today. The idea of this series is to establish our Christian life on a firm foundation because without a proper foundation it's pointless trying to build up higher. It's no good going to advanced teachings if you haven't got the foundation in place. Everything's just going to collapse otherwise. And of course the foundation is Christ himself uh, and, 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 and it starts by receiving Christ, knowing who he is, knowing his love for us that was demonstrated on the cross and, and receiving Christ. That's how Christ is the foundation, is established in our life. And we do that when we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 1 Corinthians 3 says, No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And I trust that he is, he is the foundation for your life now. And now it's up to us to build on that foundation. And that's what this series is all about. And so this founda the foundation of Jesus is laid in our life when we've received the gospel, heard the gospel and received Christ as our Lord and Savior. Once that has been laid, then we need to build on that foundation by hearing and obeying, doing the teaching of Jesus in the New Testament. And we see that from the words of Jesus in Matthew 7. Who, Jesus said, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so if we build on the sand of our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own opinions, our life will ultimately come to nothing. Jesus was a builder as well as a carpenter. He knew the importance of building on the right foundation. And he knew that other, if we don't, all our efforts will ultimately come to nothing. And so we build our house, our Christian life, by hearing and doing the teaching of Christ and his apostles in the New Testament. And, and in building the house of our life, just like building any house, uh, we have to build from the bottom up. It's no good going from the roof down. And that means we start with what the Bible calls the foundational doctrines. Those doctrines that connect us directly with the foundation who is Christ. These doctrines are also called the milk of the word. And it's necessary to absorb and to integrate the milk of the word in our lives by hearing and obeying these doctrines first before we go on to the meats, to the higher revelations. It's necessary to establish the foundational doctrines in our life before we go on to those higher truths. And that's what Hebrews 5.12 onwards teaches us. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled, unpracticed in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe, a spiritual baby. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use, 
They're putting it into practice. Have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. They have matured because they put it into practice. And then Hebrews chapter 6 goes on and says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, that's the milk, let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. There are seven altogether of these foundational doctrines, but the first two are repentance from dead works and faith toward God, which is what we'll be mostly focusing on today. These two describe, actually, together, the basis of a whole new way of living. You know, since we are now building our life on a new foundation, the person and the work of Christ, our new Christian life is to be fundamentally uh, different from our old life. It will, won't just look different on the outside, because we've added a few extra activities or something like that, but it's got, got to be different at its very core, and that's what this faith toward God and repentance from dead works is talking about. The very motivation, the very power source of this life is going to be different. And so it involves a repentance from the old way of living, which is described as dead works, and embracing a new dynamic way of living called living by faith. It basically means changing the very base of operation from, of our lives from ourselves to God. Rather than trusting in ourselves, we learn to trust in God and the grace of God. And so we must repent of trusting ourselves and living in our own strength according to our own understanding and wisdom and instead we need to learn to trust in the living God, in the grace of God, in the Spirit of God who is now within us. So in order to get saved in the first place we had to repent. Right? We, we did these two uh, doctrines, that, that was how we were saved. We repented from our dead works and we put our faith in God. That was how we got saved in the first place. Uh, we had to stop trusting in our own works, stop, stop trying to save ourselves. And instead we had to put all our trust, our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Uh, and we had to surrender to him as Lord. But this, these two principles of repentance and faith don't stop there. They actually also are the foundation for the whole way we are to live our Christian life now the foundational principle of our life. Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7 says, As you therefore have received Jesus Christ as the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So in other words, just as you received Jesus Christ through repentance from, and faith, so now you are to walk the Christian life according to that same principle. In other words, we're not to... We, were, we weren't saved by our own works, and, and we now don't live by our own works. We live by the grace of God. As we've been saved by grace, we need to live by grace. God's Spirit, that means God's Spirit and grace and power working on the inside of us should be the basis for our living. And we trust in the grace of God, and we need to renounce all pride and all trusting in ourselves. And so the foundation of repentance and faith doesn't just apply to our salvation, but to our everyday Christian life. To explain how this works, 
and how we are to cooperate with God in this, we need to understand what actually happened inside us when we responded to the gospel and we received Christ. The Bible says that when that happened, you received a new birth, the rebirth of your spirit. And that made you now a child of God. This is amazing. John chapter 1 says, As many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And he says this birth was not of blood. In other words, you, you don't get born because you're a certain nationality. Uh, nor of the will of the flesh, you can't do it by your own willpower, you can't make it happen for yourself, nor of the will, by your own good works. Then it says, nor of the will of man, no church, no, no organization can do this. It says this birth is of God. God has to supernaturally do this on the inside of you. And so he did it only when you personally came to him and received him as your Lord and Savior. And Jesus talked about this new birth in John 3, talking to Nicodemus, he said, most assuredly I say to you, unless, you are, unless one is born again, or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water, that's the, the first birth in the water of the mother's womb. And the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You need a second birth, the rebirth of your spirit, in order to come into the kingdom of God. Then he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The rebirth is the rebirth of your spirit by the Holy Spirit. And he says, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. It's imperative. To get into heaven, you have to receive this new birth. Notice Jesus said that you must be born again to enter God's kingdom. The, birth, the first birth is not enough. Even if you were born Jewish, it's not enough. Think of it like this. The two births are in parallel. And so, in order to be a citizen of the earth, you have to be born into the earth. In the same way, to be a citizen of heaven, you have to be born into the kingdom of God you have to be born from above. And only God can do that for you. Just like your first birth was all grace, it wasn't by your works, you can't take any credit for your birth, it was done for you. And so it is with the second birth, you can't take any credit, it, none of your works created it, it was done for you by grace. Through the first birth, you inherited the nature of your earthly father Adam. Likewise, by the second birth, you inherit the nature of your heavenly Father, God. Your first birth was the birth of your flesh, but the second birth is the birth of your spirit, which we call the regeneration of your spirit. Then Nicodemus asked, how can this happen? How can this take place in me? And, and Jesus answered by saying, it's the, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Who, he blows like the wind. He's invisible but powerful. And he blows into your spirit and makes you brand new. And then he explains how this actually happens. 
in verse 14, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And this is a story from the book of Numbers where the serpents bit the Israelites and they were dying. And the serpent is a picture of sin. And this is a picture of us being bitten by sin, which causes us to die and perish. And uh, the, the antidote for it was that Moses put a serpent on a pole and it was a bronze serpent. Bronze is a picture of judgment. And that was a picture of Jesus being put on the cross and, and taking our sin and our sin being judged on Jesus. So that all who looked upon that serpent and saw their sins being judged on the cross, it says they lived. And so he says Jesus will be put on the cross in that way so that all who see him taking their sin on the cross, they look with a look of faith and they will live. And then it says, for God so loved the world. And that means God loved the world in this way, by dying for us on the cross. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die for us on the cross, that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him, would not perish but have eternal life. So in other words, he's saying, if you will believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and you see him dying for your sins on the cross, and you believe in him, you trust in him, you receive him for yourself, then you receive eternal life. The Holy Spirit comes into your spirit and makes you a reborn spirit. He makes you a new creation. And to understand what happened at the new birth, we need to understand how God made us spirit, soul, and body. God made us to be a trinity in the image of God who is a trinity. And we see that in the original creation of Adam. It says in Genesis 2-7, it says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, that's his body, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, that's his spirit, and man became a living soul. So the fusion of the spirit and the body of Adam he, in that fusion, he became a living soul. And so what that means is that the highest part of man, the essence of man, is his spirit, made by God's breath, God's spirit. And that's the, his spirit is the part that directly contacts God. And the soul is, is, is the personality, the mind, will, and emotions. And the idea is that the spirit is the highest thing and it expresses itself through the soul and through the body. The soul, uh, the mind, will, and emotions then lives it out through the body. God's plan for man from the beginning is that man's spirit would be alive to God, connected to God's power, and that man would live out from his spirit by the power of God. And he would express himself and, and the nature of God perfectly through his soul and body which were in harmony with the spirit. I, I love the picture of a song is made up of three components, the melody, harmony, and the rhythm. And so the spirit is like the melody. The spirit gives, should, gives the melody for our life. And then the soul is meant to harmonize with the spirit and then live it out in the rhythm of life, the physical life. But the fall, when man sinned, what happened is man died spiritually. In fact, God told them in Genesis 2, he says, if you sin against me, if you eat that, tr that tree uh, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, in the day that you eat of it, you'll surely die. Literally dying, you will die. Adam died spiritually immediately, and that resulted in his physical death. 
later because he was now cut off from that life of God. And so Adam made a choice to be his own God, to live independently of God, and so he was cut off by the consequence of that. He was cut off spiritually. He died spiritually. And also a sin nature came into his flesh. And that's why our bodies are now mortal, because of the sin nature in the flesh. And that sin nature in the flesh caused his soul to also operate independently from God. He reaped his choice. And that's what we call the independent soul life, or the self, or the ego, is that independence from God. And now man, instead of living from his spirit, he lives from his soul. In the vanity and the darkness of his own mind, his own thoughts, his own emotions, which are actually under the dominion of the sin nature. Rather than living out from his spirit, energized by God's spirit. He's separated now from the life and blessing of God, and so he comes under the power of sin and the curse and death. And if it wasn't for salvation through Jesus, he would be doomed to eternal death in hell. So what's happened is now that the beautiful melody of the spirit has been lost, and now the soul takes over, and it tries to do what it was never meant to do to live out from itself. And he, the soul can just create a pale imitation of what the spirit is able to do. And it creates a discordant noise. And that's why we feel stress and anxiety when we try and do everything in our own strength. The Bible calls it dead works. Ephesians 2 describes our former state before the new birth. It says, We were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. Pretty bad. But praise God, Jesus came to save us from our sin and he paid the price to make the new birth of our spirit possible. So if we receive him, his resurrection life is applied to our spirits, making them alive to God. And that melody now is restored in our life. And this new birth is described in Ephesians 2. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So notice he did three things in our spirit. First of all, our spirit was dead and he made it alive by his resurrection life. Secondly, it says, and he raised us up together. You see, our spirit was defeated and now it was under the power of sin and Satan. But now it's been raised up higher. Now it's above the principalities and powers. It's changed from defeat to victory. And then it says also, he made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So us, our, our spirit was under the dominion uh, of darkness, but now it's enthroned with Christ. It, it has authority and dominion over all the forces of the enemy. Praise God. And so God's life, his victory and his authority was imparted to our spirit in the new birth. And then it summarizes that by saying, for by grace, by God's power, are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Praise God. And as a result, our spirit now 
it has become God's masterpiece, able to create a beautiful melody for our life that, that is there to create a life of good works for us. It's all programmed and with the ability of God to do that. And that's what verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this new birth was not available in the Old Testament, but it was prophesied in Ezekiel 36. God says, I will, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I'll take out the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. And so here he says, I'll give you a new spirit and I'll put my spirit in you. So not only do, did we get a new spirit, but God's Holy Spirit come and live inside us so that we are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. Our spirit is reconnected to God's spirit and now God's life's on the inside of us. That means the grace of God is available for us as a source of life within us. And so we become a brand new person on the inside. The Bible says if anyone is uh, in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away. The old spirit has passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all things are of God. And so we have God's love nature on the inside of us. And um, Jesus described the new birth in John 4. He says, whoever drinks of this water will, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water I'll give him will never thirst. But the water I'll give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life you have eternal life in your spirit. And in John 7, he says that out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Praise God. And he said that he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside you and wants to flow out of you as living water. And Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's given to us. And so out flowing out from our spirit now, this beautiful melody, this power, this grace, and this love, by the Holy Spirit. That means if you're born again, you have a capacity now that you didn't have before to love God and to love people. You are the love child of a love God. And now we should seek to express that love. The Bible in Galatians also says that the fruit of the Spirit, that which comes out of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So we can now live out through the power of this, this new man, that the Bible calls the new man. It says, put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Your spirit is holy unto God and it is righteous in its uh, ability to live. And so now we are to live out from this new man. And as we do that, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul says in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. That's my ego. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The power of Christ is in me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is a whole new way of living. We repent from living out from our soul. And we now live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we let the Holy Spirit flow, he will enlighten our minds. He will strengthen our will and he will refresh our emotions and our soul will be activated and we will discover who we really are on the inside. And so we need to repent from our dead works. The Bible says it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And it says if we walk in the spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
And that's the life that God is calling us to. That's what Jesus meant when he said, if we're to follow him as his disciples, we have to lose our independent soul life to find a higher life with him. Remember he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself his independent soul life and take up his cross. His cross is the altar of sacrifice. In other words, we are to put to death this independent soul life. And he says, take up the cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his soul life will lose it. But whoever loses his soul life for my sake will find it. We will find our real life because the life of the Spirit, as we live by faith, that life of the Spirit will activate our real individuality. Who God made us to be. And so there are two ways to live. One's under law, keeping rules and principles in our own strength living from the soul, or we can live under grace, living from the grace of God flowing from our spirit. And the Bible says that those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. In Romans 6, he says, reckon yourselves uh, dead to sin, the sin nature, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's your spirit. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. You don't, the sin nature is still there, but you don't have to obey it. As you walk by faith, you walk in victory over it. And it says, sin will not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. While you're living under grace, God's life, God's spirit in you, by faith, rather than living under law in your own strength, while you do that, sin will not have dominion over you. And you'll experience the life and freedom. That's why it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he judged sin in the flesh. It's been judged. The sin nature has no authority over you. He did it so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. That's what you do. You've got to not trust in yourself, but set your mind on the Spirit and trust in the Holy Spirit. To be carnally minded, flesh-minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so we only please God when we submit our souls to live under grace by faith, trusting in the Spirit. When we walk in the flesh, independent from God, in our own strength, we cannot please God, however well-intentioned and religious we are. And that's why faith toward God and repentance from dead works is the first and the necessary foundational teaching for our whole Christian life. We've been born again, we have His Spirit within us, but now we've got to live from God's grace as our base of operation and lean on him and then we will discover life and peace. There's a book that fits perfectly with this series on Christian foundations called Growing Up Spiritually and this is so important that we know the foundational teachings whereby we can grow spiritually and uh, let me recommend this book it's uh, it's it's not very expensive Growing Up Spiritually gives you many of the key teachings in this series and and others too. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel.
You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.